Hey friends, welcome back. This is episode number three, and today's interview guest is Matthew Howe. He's the owner of Touch Education. He's a body worker and above all, an educator. He focuses a lot on craniosacral therapy, and he's been doing trauma-informed body work and continuing education around trauma-informed body work since before that was like a buzzword in the field. So there's so many gems in this episode. I was going to break it into two, and then I remembered that you can just press pause whenever you need to and manage your own time. So it's a longer episode than usual. But I hope that you cozy up and have a listen because there are lots of really good gems in here for you. So I hope you enjoy. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Body, Mind, Spirit Service Podcast Show. I'm your host, Shay Knight. I'm a yoga teacher, a teacher trainer, a massage therapist, and a wellness entrepreneur coach. And I've been in this industry for over 15 years. So believe me when I tell you, I know that you feel called to serve others with your work. And I also know that sometimes you scream in a pillow, run out of money, feel isolated, and question your career choices. (laughs) Listen, we all do it. So on this show, we're talking about it with our colleagues. We're talking about money, marketing, work-life balance, burnout, side hustling, full-time hustling, and what it takes to keep going, or sometimes to not keep going. Each recording is dedicated to you. Wherever and whenever you tune in, I hope you gain a little something to help you on your way. So, before we begin, I invite you to take a deep breath, get centered, maybe make a cup of tea, and be present while you listen. I'm so glad that you're here, and I hope you enjoy. very special guest today and we've been chatting for a little while so now I'm just bringing our listeners into the fold. So this is Matt Howe and I'm excited because he's he's not a yoga teacher and we'll have a lot of yoga teachers on the show but he's a body worker and not just a body worker, super professional educator and personally someone who's like changed my life and my practice, my personal life and my massage practice. I don't even know if you'll remember when I first met you was... I think I was 22 or 23 years old. I was just a baby taking a prenatal class. And then I... Was it the prenatal class or was it when you came in for a stone massage? So that was the second time I met you. The first time I had you in a prenatal, like one day workshop or something. And then... okay. Yeah, this was like, you know, forever ago. (laughs) And then I had... Because it's like my training is always like a client will ask me for something and I'm like, well, I don't know. Let me see if I want to get trained in this thing. And people were really big into hot stone massage for a while. And I was like, I'm not resonating with any of the trainings. So I went and saw you at the spa for a session for the only good hot stone massage I've ever had. I'm always so (laughs) underwhelmed with hot stone massages. (laughs) Well, I know, but like, I feel like people just think hot stone is good. And it's like, it's not always good. You have to be good at it. Like, Mm -hmm. I guess you could just lay stones around, but. There's a way to be good at it. For sure. But then when it really, when I, when I'm really the most grateful to have reconnected with you was the first time I had legitimate craniosacral therapy, which was Mm. about five or six years ago. And from the very first session I had, I was like, okay, I thought that I died and came back to life and I have to learn how to do this. (laughs) And I have to do this to as many people as will let me put their hands, my hands on their head. And that was that. And now like before that, my practice was very heavy reflexology and like a firm Swedish, just deep relaxation type stuff. And now I would say half or more of my clients come for craniosacral therapy and it's all to do with you. You're just changing lives. And I I love hearing what they say about it too. It's like, 
I know it's like a magical, mystical thing. Yet there are mechanics and things we can explain scientifically, but it's also a hu- it's a very experiential modality, in my opinion. Like sure. you have to feel it. So totally changed my life. So I'm forever indebted to you for that. And also just a dear friend. So Matt Howe, welcome to the show. I have lots of questions for you. Awesome. Thank you for such a glowing introduction. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to walk it back to like baby Matt. (laughs) We're going to walk back. Okay. (laughs) So do you remember your first massage, receiving your first massage? Uh, I do. I do. My first... Well, there's a difference between my first massage experience, um, my first, because my first experience with massage and body work, right, was uh, getting Reiki. And I didn't know what it was. Uh, you know, the guy that said, hey, I'm going to go get some Reiki. Do you want to go? I was like, I don't really like fish, but let's roll. Because you know, <laughs> I literally had no idea what it was. I had no idea. Um, and then a couple of months after that, um, I went to visit a friend of a friend who was in massage school because she had to do her massages, you know, and it ended up being like this sports stretching session as opposed to anything massage therapy related. And I was like, that was weird because that that's not what I had in my mind when it came to massage. Um, But like my first massage, like professional, actual lotion based massage session Mm -hmm. Um, was, uh, with Mike McGillicuddy at the massage school. No way. That's cool. The bar got set kind of high, you know, I was like, oh, wow, that felt really, really amazing. And now I, now I understand things better. Very cool. So how long between your first massage and when you decided that you might want to do this professionally? Uh, less than 24 hours. That's awesome. I did not know that. That's a good first story. Right on. Yeah. And then how, how long ago was that for our listeners? Oh, gosh. I was... Judging by uh, the beard, it's been some time. It's, it's been a day <laughs> or two. Um, so that would have been... I got the Reiki in like December of 99. I got the sports stretching session in like January of 2000. And then in February of 2000 is when I went to the massage school to meet and kind of get a vibe check on the school. And I started in March of 2000. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So 22 years plus just swinging away. Yeah. Just cruising. So, you know, my experience with you is mostly through your continuing education, through touch education. Mm-hmm. So guys, if you're looking for Matt, it's toucheducation.com. And I'll put all that in the show notes down below so you can see. Um, but how long did it, like, how long were you working as a therapist before you started adding training? Um, it started pretty quick. Uh, my first job at a massage school was working for a chiropractor, uh, and realized pretty quick cause I would, you know, I was fresh out of school, but I was confident in my ability to help people. Um, and so working for the chiropractor, I started noticing the patients were getting results. So like they weren't needing to come in to get adjusted as much because their whiplash symptoms were going away. And I thought that was awesome. I'm like, this is really, really cool. Um, but then uh, I got an opportunity to start doing on-call work at one of the resorts in Orlando back in the day when there were only like three of them. 
uh, and started doing massage. And that was when I experienced my first couple's massage, like as the therapist. Mm-hmm. And like the first thing I noticed was this therapist who had, you know, six, seven, eight years of season on them had terrible body mechanics, you know, and then I'd go in the break room and I'd hear these therapists that have, you know, they're phenomenal therapists complaining about their wrists hurting and their backs hurting and, you know, their shoulders. And I'm like, well, so as I experienced more and more couples, couples massages, I was like, you know, if you guys just lowered your table and came from your core a little bit maybe you wouldn't have to put the demand on your shoulders and you know end up doing this and you know so it seemed kind of weird to me and so uh that was probably i'd say probably around springtime of 2001 it was pre-9-11 uh and then so one of the other male therapists that, that was working at the spa and I, we actually went to the ale house right across the street back when they gave you the paper napkin or paper placemats, right? <laughs> and we just kind of, you know, we had a couple drinks and just started just t- talking about massage because he taught at the massage school that I went to. Um, he wasn't one of my instructors, but he, he was teaching there. Um, and we just sort of like throwing ideas back and forth about like, you know, why do massage therapists burn out? what causes them to burn out, what causes them to break down. And I mean, that night was the first time I wrote touch education on anything. Oh, cool. And after as we were packing and moving our life from Florida to move here to Ohio, um, I still had the placement. Oh, that's really cool. So, you know, maybe at some point in time it gets framed. And, yeah, you know, totally. Hung up on the wall, but that means I have to find it again. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. I love that you have it. Yeah. Um, okay. And then I also wanted to ask you about the spa because I feel like spas, well, like you said, now there's a zillion of them. We have resort spas and right. we also have like day spas and med spas. And just, I feel like, I don't know, it right. seems like in the last 10, 15 years, it's really been explosive with, sure. you know, how many more massage schools there are cranking out therapists, making job rooms. So there's the spa industry has, I feel like really expanded. Right. Yeah, so really. that being said, I feel like sometimes there's a spa stigma with therapists so it's like mm-hmm. like you might not expect the best massage at a spa or you might not expect to get paid well at a spa or do you, you know what I mean like kind of that mm-hmm. versus like the practitioner who has their own private office and they do whatever they want all day like I feel like there's a little bit of a uh some myth and stigma around spa work sure. where you sure. actually found a tremendous amount of experience and success and like used it to move mm-hmm. you to the next space. So can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that? Yeah. You know, it's a blessing. You know, one of my instructors when I was in massage school, Shamaya Ha, um, who actually I think just got selected into the world massage therapy hall of fame, like this past couple of weeks or whatever up in Cherokee. Um, she said, you know, and I, it's probably it's paraphrasing, but she basically said to be the therapist you're intended to be, regardless of the setting that you're in. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was probably just you know a, a passing comment, you know, to somebody else's question, but it kind of landed in my brain and uh, wove itself into my DNA. Uh, so when I got into the spa, you know, we're talking late 2000, early 2001. Like I said, it's before 9/11, so I mean that's a whole life world change ago. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it was that kind of stigma. It was like, you're a clinical minded therapist or you're a spa therapist. Right. And I didn't really care for either, you know, because what I know now is the art and skill of relaxation massage can be very therapeutic and still clinical. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people that are very clinical in practice that can't deliver the art form of relaxation. You know, it's, it's no, it's no shade in either direction. It's just knowing what your superpowers are. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, working at the, the spa that I started at, um, they, I would consider most of them very talented spa therapists. They could deliver really good massage in a spa set. Um, when I went to my next spa uh, is when I got surrounded by thoughtful, purposeful professionals mm. that also worked in a spa setting. Yeah. Um, so like the caliber went up. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, I was, I found myself in conversations in the break room in between appointments or, you know, just kind of waiting for the client or guest to come in and having like technical and tactical conversation about massage in a setting where it's like, you know, lavender oils and eye pillows. Um, you know, so I kind of, kind of walked that forward in my own space of when somebody comes into the treatment room. And they want a, you know, a customized basic massage, whatever that means to whatever the, whatever the menu item is. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when they said that they got headaches, you know, I would always ask them like, well, you know, would you like a full body massage or would you like to try and solve for the headache? And most of the people or back in the day were like, you can do that. This is a spa. And I'm like, yeah, this is my treatment room. It just happens to be in a spa. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I would, you know, I would bust out some, some myofascial or some neuromuscular techniques. And then, uh, once I had the confidence in my craniosacral skills, it would be like, look, we can, we can do things that you can't even fathom right now to produce results, you know? And so there's that space for both of those to coexist, you know, um, but there is this stigma, you know, as I've traveled the country and I've taught workshops all over and talked to, you know, tens of thousands of therapists, you know, across the country, it's this like, oh, you work in a spa or, oh, you do relaxation massage or, you know, I'm clinically oriented. You know, I've taken this, these classes, I've got all these mm -hmm. certifications, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, one of the favorite quotes that I, that I have, you know, it actually came from my wife is, you know, the body is going to integrate a well-intentioned touch over a well-practiced protocol every single time. Yeah. So, you know, to the clinically minded therapist, if your touch is garbage, it's garbage. You know, if you're robotic and mechanical and you don't have it, then you're basically just rubbing lotion on strangers in exchange for money. Mm -hmm. You know, and then that's, that's the most bleak version yeah. of, of, of what we do. But, you know, as you know, somebody who's, who's been, in this space long enough, you know, if, if you don't, if you don't pay attention, that's what it becomes, right? It becomes a transactional space instead of an experience space. Right. Um, you know, so the years in the spa, it showed me, it gave me the volume to find my touch, to find my approach 
-hmm. not like a not as not specifically a modality right because like a lot of what i do is very craniosacral centric but there's a lot of different brands of craniosacral Mm -hmm. you know so like once i gave myself permission to stop drinking the kool-aid and break away from a brand and looking at well what modalities do i want to learn you know you start extracting out what's the essence of the modality Mm-hmm. You know, if you're doing like orthopedic massage, what is the essence of that? Whether it's a knee, a shoulder, a hip, an elbow, or a neck, you know, or if you're going to learn Tui Na or Lomi Lomi, right? Lomi Lomi has a sacred intention to it that jives with some and not with others. Mm-hmm. You know, but being in a spa, I was exposed to a lot of different approaches and a lot of different instructors. Uh, and a lot of different coworkers who all had those different passions. And I think there's room for everybody. Um, and I think there's room for our profession to grow uh, in the respect for each other. Yeah. And I want to add to that and see if, if you agree with this, but I feel like what I'm, what I'm hearing, like what's resonating with me is um, respect for each other, but also respect for ourselves and like, And this is something you help me out with a lot because whenever I train with somebody out of respect for my teacher, I want to learn it exactly the way they taught me because I know the kind of energy, because I also train people. I know the kind of energy we put into cultivating a training. It's it's not willy nilly. It's very intentional. We have protocols for a reason. We have best practices for a reason. We, we teach what we teach for a reason. Right. So when I'm training with someone, like I want to like obsess over what they taught me first and then when I'm out practicing in higher volumes, you know, not just those first handful of practices, mm-hmm. I'm noticing like, okay, here's what Matt taught me or what so-and-so taught me, but like, here's what I need to do right now for Susie Q on the table. Like, this is what needs to be done right now. And there's this moment of like, kind of like looking back for my teacher, like, is this okay? I'm doing this. Like, sure. and yeah. you're really helpful in teaching me that. And I keep it in mind when I'm training other people too, that like, yes, it's okay to do it. It needs to be done because that's kind of the point of training and gaining experiences that you will develop an inner knowing of when to deviate and when to stick to the protocol and blend the different techniques that you have. But I really feel like that only happens with high volume. And I'm, I'm wondering if you agree, because this is one of those things where like spa stuff can sometimes be, I think, like unrightfully, you know, you know, seen as like less than in some way. They see it as like a mm-hmm. massage mill or something. Same with like, you know, bigger massage chains out there, like Massage Envy or mas- I forget all the other ones, Hand and Stone, all of them. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, similar thing that you can lump them into like, oh, it's just a mill, it's just a machine, but it's also a place where you churn out so many sessions and you get your hands Mm -hmm. on so many different tissues and have to face so many different personalities that you can actually learn what you're capable of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's the volume, volume gives you value, Mm -hmm. you know, and there are, you know, so I've worked in a lot of the spaces, right? You know, I've worked in a franchise, I've worked in four-star resorts, you know, and when it hits the volume level, the only difference is the amount of granite in the facility, right? Because as, as a pro, you're there to deliver what you can, right? So whether I'm, you know, whether that short time that I worked in the franchise, knowing I wasn't getting paid my value, 
but I just needed some revenue, you know, which you graciously helped me acquire, you know, as I was building a practice and then closed it and moved to a different state. Uh, <laughs> as you we know. do, <laughs> like yeah, we do. Yeah. Cause, <laughs> Typical. Cause it's too easy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, but like that, that, that volume piece lets us know what our value is because it's, it's like, what are, what's our goal, right? What are we looking for? Are we giving them time? Are they give, are we giving them our time to get them where they want to go? Or are they paying us for results? Mm -hmm. You know, and in the spa, you get used to the, I've got eight massages today. Can I deliver predictably consistent therapy over the course of a day, knowing that I'm going to do more tomorrow and then more the next day and more the next day and more the next day? Um, you know, because I'm very grateful for my time in the spots. You know, I spent almost a decade working in the spa industry. And I wouldn't be the therapist today without that because you have to meet all these different people and you have to learn how to operate within these different um, corporate mentality spaces. You know, like the first spa that I worked at was terrible. You know, the I think we went through four or five spa directors in like 18 months. You know, it's just like the definition of what not to do. Mm -hmm. You know, and then I moved on to a luxury brand and learned the value of good leadership and in being able to buy into a corporate culture to deliver a level of expectation. Yeah, to make yeah. it work for you to not have to like, so I, I feel like also as alternative health and wellness people, we're generally like buck the system people or like, you know, right. we didn't go to school to be doctors or nurses or lawyers or teachers, we went this direction. And usually there's a little bit of a rebel streak in most people mm -hmm. in our field, I think, at least in some mm -hmm. way. And so when it comes to like corporate culture or spa culture or big massage chain culture, I think that we all bow up a little, like, I don't know, I might be more punk rock than this, you know? And the reality is you can make it work for you and it does mm -hmm. work for you. And without like your first terrible experience, like you probably learned more with the, with the 18 months of terrible direction than you did with the next chapter of good leadership, right? Like the contrast yeah. is so important. Well, the, there's, you know, it's a, as my friend Dana says, she is, you know, it's a lesson or a blessing, mm. you know, um, and, and in retrospect, you know, I, I was too punk rock for it. Um, you know, I have, I have dear friends that are still working at the spa, you know, at the different spas doing a thing and, you know, just living their best life, you know, and I'm proud of, you know, of them for doing that. Uh, that's not, that wasn't my path. Um, you know, but learning, you know, learn what I learned in the first and the second one is what allowed me to walk into the third spa in a leadership position to help cultivate an environment where people wanted to work. You know, we were respected by our immediate management team. You know, we, the, the value was simpatico, you know, like every, everybody understood and respected and it was there, uh, you know, so for a lot of the new therapists, they're like, oh, well, you know, you know, I want to do it on my own. I want to open up my own office. Right. But as you know, there's a lot of hidden costs and oh, yeah. supreme amounts of hustle. 
Yes. Yeah. Cost the, like the money is like it's a there's a financial cost and that's the least of it. Right. In terms of costs. Like there's yeah, your there's energy, the there's cost. the time away from your family, there's yeah. yeah staying up at three in the morning to edit your website or answer, send out invoices, <laughs> yes. just the things yeah. like that. It, I, anytime somebody asks if they, you know, should start their own practice or should have their own office, I usually just hit them with 20 real tough questions to be like, mm -hmm. are you prepared? Does this sound fun to you? Because if it does, right. then yes, do it, run and don't look back. But if it doesn't, I'm going to tell you, you need an assistant. You need an administrative assistant. You need to have money to ha hire some help because you can't, you just can't have a private practice without all the admin. It's not a thing. Yeah, no, I mean, that that's the, that's the part that I find a lot of massage therapists are failed in as part of their basic education is the side of business. Yeah, right. You know, and, you know, most of us don't go into massage school because we've got an MBA already. Right. You know, so it's kind of like, well, what do I, you know, what do I mm -hmm. want to do? You know, from like, mm -hmm. have you even thought about a domain name? <laughs> yeah. You know, because like, you know, Moonchild Massage is probably already taken. You know, yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of that, you know, and, but there's also that the drive that most therapists have to want to function autonomously. You know, so that we can have our own space and create our own thing. Um, you know, that's why I encourage anybody coming out of massage school, you know, go, go make mistakes on somebody else's money. Yeah. Oh, or do yeah. both. That's always, that's another like favorite solution yeah. of mine. Like have a small office that you can afford to make mistakes in and lose money in and lose clients and have a gorgeous appointed room that's empty because you don't know how to do marketing yet. Have that, mm -hmm. but also have your massage job where you're making a fraction of what you probably will deserve later, but not yet. Mm -hmm. Sure. So that's a good balance. I mean, make sure that you can eat so that you can build the dream thing. But yeah. I feel like if some people, some therapists put a lot of pressure on their dream of having a cute little boutique independent spot. And it's a lot of pressure when you have bills to pay. And that kind of, mm -hmm. like we were talking about before I hit the record button, like that when you're, when you're feeling like not totally well or supported, it's really difficult to create. And being an entrepreneur for sure requires your creativity and your presence. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, like you were saying is the, the space in between the flow and the hustle, mm -hmm. you know, cause everybody wants to lift the trophy, but not everybody wants to grind on Tuesday. Yeah. You know, and yep. I, I don't remember where I heard it from. It was probably a sportscaster somewhere along the lines that says, you know, champions really, the true champions, the Hall of Famers, the legends, uh, learn to love practice. Mm -hmm. You know, and I mean, and that's what we have. We have a massage practice. Right. Uh, and so, you know, social media and your website and your accounting and your reach out and your follow up, you know, yeah. like all of those things, learning how to organize it and just kind of put it in your calendar. You know, it takes time and, you know, something that i wish there's two like two like really super juicy nuggets that i wish somebody would have shared and i would have heard yeah <laughs> that <years caveat. laughs> you know uh the, the first one being uh you know if somebody tells you who they are believe them failure is an essential part of success yes and so you know i know is for me as a as a husband as a father is an educator, 
as a therapist, you know, as a human. The fear of failure has been ingrained in me probably, you know, if we want to go all Jungian with psychology, it probably happens sometime in my childhood, but I don't care. Right. Um, because I'm here now and I see failure as an essential part of moving forward. And I think a lot of therapists spend a lot of time fearing that failure and it really it caps their potential. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a I think that's a big loss for everybody. You know, one of the when I started, I started teaching in a massage school here up in Ohio, and one of the the biggest overwhelming message I heard from the students at the first day of class was their fear of failure. You know, so I just I just handed it to them on day yeah. one. I was like, "Look, dude, you're gonna fail." Yeah, it's part of the problem. Yeah, just get used to that. And I also I love that you're bringing this up because, um, like. So I do like coaching for people who do uh, massage and yoga too and train yoga teachers. So ob- this stuff always comes up, like sure. whether it's a glitch in their marketing or their actual office or whatever is holding them back from a flourishing business, it's usually boiled down to a fear of failure. And while that's instrumental and needed and you, it's okay to have a fear of failure, you just have to go ahead and do it anyways. And maybe you fail and maybe you don't. But the reframe that I, that's been helpful to me is like, and not to be like mean or a little bit of tough love, but like, okay, so you're afraid. So were you just going to like not answer the call to help people because you're afraid you're going to, you're going to bar people from the service that you have practiced and studied so that you could help them. And now you don't want to help them because you're afraid. Like what? (laughs) Which, And now that I say it out loud, I'm like, that is a bit of tough love, but it's like, you got into this. We all got into this to serve because you had that session where you were like, wow, this impacted my life positively. Mm -hmm. And I would like to extend that to others. So I'm going to study and work hard and prepare. So when it comes time to go and you get scared, it's like, that's not the time to back out. That's not the time to back out. That's the time to answer the call that you answered to help people and just do things and be a little bit afraid. And it's not going to kill you. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Like embarrassment is not fatal. No. And the waves coming and you're going to get wet, you know, just grab a towel. Yeah. And also like, I like to break down what people are actually afraid of. Cause it's like, no one actually cares that much about you and your specific success story or your failures. They probably don't even notice, right? Like you might fail miserably and way fewer people than you think are going to notice or care, which is right. again, probably some tough love. But when you're new to the field, it's hard to, Mm-hmm. And, and I wonder too, like you and I are, we're older. We did this before there was Instagram, you know, but I do wonder mm-hmm. if the newbies, I'll have to ask a new massage therapist or ask some of your students at school. Like, I wonder if social media has an impact on that too. This just like constant ridiculous perfectionism and like real time mm-hmm. updating. So like maybe your failures would be a little more visible now than they were when we started, but even still, like, I still think authenticity wins. Well, I listened to a podcast this week that they talked about the role of Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat on starting around 2012 mm-hmm. and the catastrophic negative impact it's had on the overall mental health and well-being of people, especially preteens at the time, yeah. you know, which are becoming adults now. Um, and I think that exposure will drive more people into fear 
Um, Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, as a person of season. um, (laughs) You're advanced. Yes. (laughs) uh, I think it's an opportunity for authenticity. Yeah, I agree. You know, because if your clients, you know, it, and as you know, like is, is a, as a teacher, people tend to try and lift us up onto a pedestal. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, you're some great thing. It's like, I'm just a human being who's got a skill set. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, you know, allowing, allowing to, allowing us to expose our humanity. And I think that's terrifying to a lot of people, especially younger people, because there is that, there's such a snap to judgment without, any kind of context, mm-hmm. you know, and I think, I think that's a, a societal challenge that we're going to face moving forward because of social media. Yeah. You know, long form conversation is hard for young people. And that was another reason that I felt like called to this project, because like I was telling you earlier, it, we need 20 minute conversations to talk about these things. Sometimes we need a 90 minute conversation to really talk about these things. So We'll see. We'll see what the listeners think if they find the long form content helpful. But I, I feel like there's a need for that, like a collective break room mm-hmm. for us to just chat and reflect on this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. We could probably do a whole other episode just on social media and, you know, massage therapy marketing, which mm-hmm. sure we might need to do. Um, but I want to ask you, I wanted to ask you about something else. This is a big chunk of your work, your mm-hmm. body of work. And I feel like you were one of the, or at least in my one of the early ones to start working in trauma-informed categories. Like Mm -hmm. I feel like that word is used much more widely now than it was years Mm -hmm. ago. So would you want to share with our listeners a little bit about what led you to that topic and then how it developed for you? And and also you're still doing trainings for it, right? Mm -hmm. Like specifically. So yeah, can you share with us a little bit about that? Yeah, it, it all started, you know, you know, the healthy dose of having to eat shit yeah. starts, yeah. You, know, uh, you know, life is, life is messy. Uh, and, um, I had studied psychology when I was in college and there was a particular class and instructor that really, I feel like the pair of my sociology and anthropology teacher, and then my psychology instructor reached inside my brain and just squeezed it like a sponge. And it became this whole self-perpetuating organism of growth in my brain. It's still, it's still consuming today. Uh, and this, the class that I'm particularly talking about is it was the psychology of change or the psychology of adjustment was the actual name of the class. Um, and it was this whole class on how do people adapt to life-changing events you know whether that's like getting married or abuse or the loss of a loved one like all these different categories which we now know as trauma right and didn't know then but you know the universe has a way of making things just kind of weaving this golden fabric for us um so you know i was in college and then had a pretty heavy duty life experience happen to me it was like categorical loss and then not even a year later is when I broke my arms in a car accident. So like I was in my life, that was the bottom. Like that was, that was just it. Like everything, everything I thought I knew and wanted to do was no longer available to me. Uh, and then 
that's when I ended up moving to Florida and becoming a massage therapist, right? So I had brought that personal life experience with trauma with me and then um, going through massage school and kind of seeing what massage I had the capacity for. And then I got introduced to craniosacral therapy. And then so, you know, I just started drinking from the Kool-Aid fountain and just, you know, just crushing it. And I went down and I studied like the somatic emotional release part. And then I got introduced to like somatic experiencing and a couple of other different brands mm-hmm. of trauma work or just emotional stuff. Right. Um, and so I thought, well, you know, there's, there's something to this. I don't really know what it is. Right. And then, so being married to my wife who for a number of times used the car in front of her to stop, uh, I would, you know, I would end up having to work with <laughs> acute cases of whiplash and shoulder pain and things like that. So I started seeing the adaptation of all the different things I had learned, helping somebody in real time recover from a traumatic event in in a way that left no residue or minimal residue. Uh, and then on top of that, um, somebody very dear to me had enlisted in the military and I had seen the changes in the cracks post-deployment, you know, after deployment, after deployment, after deployment. Mm-hmm. And started kind of like just taking a step back and recognizing a couple of things like number one in the realm of emotional work as it relates to massage therapy we are not qualified right so mm-hmm. i would see other people in classes that i had taken and when i had gone back to ta classes take the class and instantly turn around and go say i can help people with their emotional stuff and i'm like Oh, take a time out. Have you handled your own on any level whatsoever? Right. And are you licensed to do the type of counseling that's coming through your work? You know, and so there was like a scope of practice issue for me. And so spent some time just kind of digesting and sitting with it. Um, And then, you know, the muse that my wife is, she's like, look, it's time to just write the class. I'm like, what class is that? She's like the PTSD class. I'm like, oh, okay. So I did. <laughs> right. And that was right around like 2012 is when I launched it. Um, you know, but in like, you know, to use the term the, in the parlance of our times, right, this idea of trauma informed, mm-hmm. the body work for PTSD class was trauma informed before trauma informed was a thing. Right. Right. Because like, I don't. I don't teach that we have to take people back through that traumatic experience in order for them to heal from it. Mm -hmm. You know, some people just want to draw a line in the sand and move on with their life, Mm -hmm. you know, and just say, screw it. I don't, I don't want to go back. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not for me to say, you know, so I'm sure there's, you know, mental health counselor out there. It's like, Oh no, we need to go through this regression and, you know, close the door. Like, well, there's a lot of people that door is already closed and reopening that door is just going to cause further injury. Right. And, and not to say that one shouldn't or couldn't or wouldn't want to do that, but it's right. not the massage therapist's place. Correct. And that's, to me, is important for especially our newer therapists who may be listening. Not only can you get in trouble because it's out of your scope of practice, it, it's like energetically, it's not okay. And you're going right. to get, one of you will get hurt, if not both of you. And it's just always better and safer to refer this person out. If that's right. what you're picking up, if you're picking up that they want to basically do mental health counseling, then 
that's the time for a conversation where you say, you know, you may benefit from a counselor, but what I can do right. in this treatment room is, you know, X, Y, Z. Right. Right. So, you know, taking, taking what I had learned and processed over all these years and then creating the content that became body work for PTSD is it, you know, I wanted it to be something that was easy, uh, accessible and integrative, you know? So like I, I sat down one day in my office at home and I just took out all of the books and manuals and all the stuff. And I just went through it and I handpicked what I felt had the greatest value. Like, what have I used consistently to help those humans that come in for help? And so that's, you know, that's what Body Work for PTSD became. Uh, and, you know, with the encouragement of uh, colleagues and then the feedback that I had gotten from the beta tests on the students, um, you know, I knew that it's really what matters to my soul, you know, is to be able to help humans human better. And I mean, that's the, the baseline, you know, when I went into massage school, my goal was to help, help change people's lives for the rest of their lives. That was my goal as a massage student, you know, and here I am 22 years later, that's my goal every day when I go out the door, you mm -hmm. know, I've got more tools and more seasons to do it with, but if we can master the basics, then everything else can stay simple. Right. You know, so like helping, helping somebody understand why or not even why, but helping people understand the triggered re response cycle mm -hmm. and what that means to their body, right? What that means to their life currency. You know, if, if we have a hundred percent of energy given to us every day when we wake up and we're carrying the baggage of trauma with us, then a lot of people are starting their day with like 76 mm -hmm. and then it just goes down from there. You know, in the body's ability to heal itself, we can we can help foster change and create resiliency in the body and do it in a way that keeps us inside of our scope of practice that empowers our patients to feel comfortable in their skin again. You know, like the 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 deepest form of gratitude that I can get or that I get from patients that I treat is like when they get up off the table and I can see that their eyes are different. Like sometimes their eyes are a completely different shape, you know, or, you know, I can just see on their face that they're no longer carrying as right. much weight, right? right? They're not paying, they're not paying the tax of what was, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's, that's, I mean, that's the golden stuff for me, you know, mm -hmm. the, the practice that I built in Orlando, um, going into and coming out of COVID was exclusively that, mm -hmm. you know, and it was, it was, it was very heart filling for me to know that that type of work and that type of practice is possible. And, you know, I want other therapists to know, like, especially the new therapist, like if that's something that is, that's part of your heart song, you know, that's when you come and get training. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, again, I'm just a guy with a skill set and you can be a guy or a girl or, you know, or a they or whatever and give you your skill set. And then you go help that demographic that your heart calls you to help, mm -hmm. you know, and know that there's a network of other therapists around the country that are doing the same thing, you know, so that we can 
we can move this thing forward, you know, because everybody's a survivor of trauma. Yeah. You know, and giving giving survivors of trauma the ability to recognize they did survive. Mm-hmm. And set down this burden of victimization mm-hmm. is massive. You know, yeah. you're like, oh well that's that's counseling. You're counseling. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Because as we explore that concept, my hands are on the tissue. I mean, you've you've right. been on the table. You understand what that is. It's, yeah. You you can't you can't run from your stuff mm-hmm. when it's in yeah. between your therapist's hands. Right. And I want to share, um, sometimes I'm hesitant to share my personal experience of receiving it because I never want someone who has not yet received it or even someone who has to think that it should be any kind of way because it's, it's not the same every time. It's not the right. same for me every time. And when I'm working on people, I don't get the same response out of everyone all the time. Like I would say, I would say the only consistent responses I get across the board are that they're super relaxed, usually at least physically. Mm-hmm. And then there's some emotional, mental fluctuation to follow, mm-hmm. which we may or may not discuss, but we're both aware of it. You know, sure. that, that's the, that's the, such a broad stroke of ex- describing this experience. So if you're listening and if you've never had craniosacral therapy before or trauma informed work before, just take this as like, this is, one session. This is what happened to one person during one hour at one place in time. And, you know, everything is possible. But I remember I went to see you because I had a headache that would not go away with any Mm -hmm. medicine, no acupuncture, reflexology, dietary changes, literally everything you could think of to do, including like pain medicine. Nothing was making this head pain go away. It was right around back left occiput. I felt like there was a stake in my head. And I was honestly thinking I had cancer because I'm like, I guess I need to go get scanned because what else could be causing me this extraordinary amount of pain and not go away with like everything that usually works. Right. And that's when, um, I call him Jiggy, but Jignish, (laughs) Jignish said, you need to go try craniosacral. I was like, done. And I just did a quick Facebook. Hey, who does this? And somebody said you, I was like, done, say no more. I'm going to go see Matt. And on the table, I remember feeling like, well, I mean, I definitely, like I took a mental trip where like I was with you with my body, but my, my awareness was elsewhere. Mm-hmm. My headache was gone after not leaving for like two years straight. And you had asked me if I had a head injury at any point. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and then it, and then I remembered like, while you did something specific, I was like, oh yeah, I gave myself a concussion one day. I stood up really mm-hmm. quickly under, and I didn't see my stacked dryer door had opened. I, it wasn't closed all the way. So it like drifted open. I shot right up into it, smacked the top of my head. And I, I was concussed. Like I was snoring my words and I didn't know my alphabet for a while. Like it was, it was not good. I had brain leakage, all kinds of gross stuff. But that had been, I don't know, several years before I got to you. And as soon as I said that, you kind of like chuckled, like, yep, there it is. <laughs> That's the thing. And you're like, and what were you going through? What was happening when you hit your head? And I was like, I don't know. Like, again, spacing it out. Like I have tucked this away into a repression bin somewhere because it's too painful to deal with all the time. But what I was going through that day was I was in the middle of my divorce and I was in the middle of selling my yoga studio and I was in the middle of like just burning my life down and figuring out if I'm going to start it over or not. And I'm 
I remember like laughing because I'm like, how would I not remember that? <laughs> like, how could I sure. face this out from myself who practices mindful awareness 24 seven and does body work and yoga and meditation? Like, how did I hide this from myself when it seems so ridiculously obvious in this moment? And it was transformative for me to realize like, whoa, even if you're on your game and getting this, you know, taking care of yourself, you can mm -hmm. still hide your trauma from yourself and just having a person there to ask you simple questions while they're manipulating the tissue. Like it just blew my mind. It blew me away. And yeah, so that's one person's experience. So again, if you don't have like a mind life altering experience your first time, don't worry about it. But, um, <laughs> Right. But I, but I remember right. you telling me like, hey, after, you know, I'm a pretty like happy go lucky person in general. So when you're like, how do you feel? I was like, I feel freaking awesome. My headache's gone. Like, man, I, I don't know what to do with myself now. And you told me like, you know, I don't want to get your hopes up or down, but, you know, block off the rest of your day. Just don't don't ask too much of yourself the rest of the day, just in case. And I was like, OK, I don't know why. I don't know what that's about, but okay. And then not more than an hour or two later, I completely fell apart and bawled for like four hours. And I was so grateful that you told me to cancel the rest of my day <laughs> because I would have been doing that, you know, probably at my office or at the grocery store or something. And I was just like, right. wow, that's incredible. And I think one of the things that's so special to me about, and maybe it's just because I don't, I don't do a ton of trauma-informed work, quote unquote, not like mm -hmm. classically trained in these ways. But I, I think it's, I think it's a thing where there's like uh, some myth and mystery woven around trauma work in that people think it needs to be super emotional. I think there's a vast, um, like large um, number of women who do this work than men, at least mm -hmm. in, in my experience. And your uh, delivery of it is not emotional at all. It's very grounded. It's very you know, like you, like we were saying earlier, plenty of compassion, but zero pity whatsoever. And just a, a safe container for that work. And I, I think that's important for people to know that like, if you're bumping into this kind of work or you're feeling called to do it, that like, you don't have to be a special kind of person to do it. You just, you need the skill set. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's not rocket science, right? We're not splitting atoms, right? It's not even, yeah. it's not even, it's not even surgery. Right. But this is yeah. healthcare. Yeah. Uh, you know, and in the way that I the way that I try and explain it to like medical professionals, especially mental health counselors, is you know, all roads lead to the physical body. So regardless of its physical trauma, mental or emotional trauma, spiritual trauma, or chemical trauma, it all ends up in the physical body. Mm -hmm. And if the physical body doesn't have the chance to recover or heal, then it's just going to get stuck, you know, and using, using something as simple as the poster that I created that breaks down autonomic flexibility, you know, mm -hmm. learning about, you know, fight or flight and freeze and fool, right? Like the one everybody's talking about now is like the fawn response. Like, well, that's mm -hmm. great. But that for me, that still slides underneath the fool response because you're putting a mask on to exist, you know, right. and, and just making it really, really simple. You know, it doesn't, you know, some people want to chase that emotion. Like I need this big cathartic release and you might, but is that authentic? 
Yeah, that's, it's like it might be, things. but it's not like the thing to chase. And right. and I also think, you know, some people are probably naturally built for this work more than others. But mm -hmm. for the people who want to feel called and want to learn, it's like it's it's just important to not get caught up in like the juicy stuff. Because when you're dealing with trauma, like these are sensational stories. These are you know all, all the things that are traumatic are for better or worse, they're interesting. So if somebody's offloading that information in your treatment room, it, it takes a lot of mindfulness to stay grounded and, and mm -hmm. basically stay out of it, keep facilitating, mm -hmm. keep channeling, but like keeping it like the simpler, the better, just sticking to what you know works with the nervous system and then how they experience it is really, it's really between them and them. Yeah, we don't need the story. Mm -hmm. And if your curiosity is getting ahead of you, you're no longer the lighthouse. Right. You know, you don't need to be part of their story. You know, mm -hmm. like I, the patient I worked on last night, you know, she asked me a question that I could tell was a loaded question, you know, and she's like, do you think I need more therapy? And I was like, are you asking me, do you need additional medical interventions? She's like, yeah, you know, do you think I should try chiropractic? Do you think I should do these other things? It's like, well, maybe, but maybe a good idea would be spend time with the healing space that you're walking into and recognize that you're doing the healing. I'm not doing anything, right? That's right. one of the, this is one of my biggest pet peeves in our profession. And this is, this goes across the entire complementary and alternative Mm -hmm. mindset right is like i'm a healer yeah okay i'm just gonna say it for everybody yeah, even say for those it. in the back say it. <laughs> you are a healer if you're looking in the mirror and you're talking about yourself yeah but it is not your position to say that you're a healer of other people mm -hmm. because here's the thing if you're really a healer of other people there are dying kids all over this world that need your touch and if you're a healer and you're going to help somebody and they don't heal, you failed them. Right? So, you know, if you want to put yourself in that category, go ahead and walk across the water on the way to your next treatment and go ahead and just bang it out. I love you. Right? But, <laughs> but if, if you find if you find you're getting your feet wet, maybe it's time to pull it back and humble yourself into mm -hmm. a space of I'm a facilitator of healing. Yeah. Right? And I love this quote by A.T. Still, you know, it's, I am here to restore health, mm -hmm. not treat a problem. Yeah. So that gives me the operational bandwidth to hold space for people who are going through real serious shit mm -hmm. and be in a space where I can be an option for them to take their next step towards getting well. Right. I'm not, they, I'm not the option. I'm an option, mm -hmm. you know, so that, so that we stay clean, you know? Yeah. And I think of it like support staff, you know, it'd be like similar to if you have someone mow your lawn and cook your dinner, or deliver your meals, like you, you have to heal yourself, but you can hire help to help you heal yourself and, right. and a body worker can help you heal yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like our job is just to hold the mirror up. Mm -hmm. You know, and let them recognize the parts of them that are needing attention. 
you know, in my experience, a lot of the stuff that we don't want to look at, the stuff we try and avoid, you know, all that stuff in the darkness, most of the time it just needs a little bit of light and then the monsters go away. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about a kid like, oh my gosh, there's a monster in my bed. There's a monster in the closet. Turn the lights on. You give them a flashlight, right? You're empowering a child to recognize there is no monster. This is my imagination. And then in that same spirit, I try and foster the sense of creativity. You know, how are you creative? How, how do you process things? And then go do it. Mm-hmm. You know, because like the other, the other catch in our profession is, you know, I've, I've, I've been teaching classes for a long time, use thought classes for a long time. You know, you get, you get certain people that identify themselves as like, I'm an empath. Mm-hmm. Right. And they use that as an excuse to be emotional mm-hmm. or to buy in, subscribe, or further this idea of chaos and insincerity. Right? I, I would add to that maybe that newer newer folks are probably more predisposed mm-hmm. to that mm-hmm. because I because you're an empath and I'm an empath. And we're not mm-hmm. doing those things. And I'm I'm good friends with colleagues who are very much empaths, but they 100%. they have mile high walls, very firm boundaries, super healthy boundaries. That's you know, that's, that's our whole that's that's my <laughs> my favorite thing about being a person who helps people and touches people are my boundaries. <laughs> and that always like puts people off at first. And I'm like, you don't understand the strength of my boundary is equal to how much I can help you and how much you're gonna be able to help yourself when we're done. Because right. It's not like I always want to be careful not to throw shade at the more emotional, for lack of a better word, um, empathic, you know, the empaths and the intuitives and the healers. You know, they got Mm -hmm. somebody gave them permission to call themselves that because they Mm -hmm. probably look up to somebody who calls themselves that. And so Mm -hmm. it's not to throw shade on them. It's just like it's really I feel like an offering of like, hey, if you want to firm it up, you'll be able to help better and more, you know, like being this like watery boundaryless healing artist is is going to drown you both yeah. eventually yeah if, if you're going to be in this space and be a professional you have to have those boundaries and you have to be the professional right somebody in the room has to keep a foot on the floor mm-hmm. right so I came across a little saying, this is probably a couple of years ago, is the role of the empath is to observe, not absorb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so as a professional, I will observe, right. right? But when I take my therapist hat off and I'm sitting around and somebody that matters to my life is going through something, I will absorb, right? Because that's sure. my role as a human to another human that matters to me is like, look, I don't want you to carry all this. Like I'm mm-hmm. uniquely qualified to take your junk and mm-hmm. I will take it to the junkyard for you. You know, provided that yeah. you don't just keep recycling the junk over right. and over and over again. You know, yeah, that's personal point. relationship, personal friendship out of yeah. the treatment room. You're not being paid yeah. for this love. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's that's that's, you know, the that's the whole idea of like a dual relationship. You know, that needs maybe a little bit more attention as people are coming into this profession or coming into the the wellness 
journey space, mm-hmm. um, you know, is, uh, you know, like the, the idea of a barter, like just, if you're going to barter, cool, make sure it's equal value. Yeah. You know, and we could, we could, we can earmark that one for a whole nother. I know that chat. should be a whole other one too. I'm writing yeah. it down. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I think with the work, the work that I do, um, and the work that I teach, it gives, it empowers the people that are either learning it and then learning it and using it. It empowers them to help other humans achieve a greater level of recovery because it's not about the story. It's not about the drama. Uh, it's, it's, it's not about what was, it's about recognizing what is, you know, that trigger response cycle. Like if you can see your triggers from further away, then you can have a conscious decision of how you respond to that trigger instead of it constantly being knee jerk, you know, so that when somebody does instantly trigger one of your bigger ones, you've got more resources to address it. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's, that's the, that's the key for me is to just, I want to, I'm a teacher, right? That's what I do. It's why I'm here. Uh, not just here, but like here right. um, is I want, I want people to be able to live their best life, you know? So take that next step towards whatever that means for them. You know, it's not a, it's not a judgment place. Like I'm omnipotent and all powerful and I don't have my own shit. Of course I do. I'm a human. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're all going through it and just trying to figure out what's next. Um, and just kind of, you know, take that journey with other people. You know, that's why, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative and grateful for you creating this space um, to begin connecting this community in a different way uh, with your wisdom and insight and the scope of perspective that you have is it's it's going to help a lot of people recognize that they're not alone thank you that's my hope that's my hope because i feel strongly that we all chose to do this weird work (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. and i and i feel like we need more support we need to be more supportive i I think most of us are generally kind and supportive of each other Mm but Every now and then you'll come across like a, a click or a rivalry or some, you know, this style is better than that style or whatever. And I'm just like, right. no, if we really had a little more time to, to listen to each other's work and experience, I think that would soften some of those edges. And, and really, I just, I don't know, I keep having images of like new graduates of massage schools and yoga schools and other mm-hmm. kinds of coach types. And I'm like, when you're new, you're just you're so spongy and you can be impacted mm-hmm. by so much, which is great, mm-hmm. but maybe it'd be good for them to hear from some OGs like us <laughs> to be like, let, let yeah. me just, you can't skip the lessons, but maybe you'll spot them quicker. If we tell you, we learned them too, you know, mm-hmm. so it doesn't feel so bad when you're new and, and, and also for the burned out and returning. Cause I, I feel very mm-hmm. much like you and I have both experienced burned outs and sure. burnouts and returns. And those are really important, pivotal times in your career to be like, what am I even doing? Why am I touching people for money? Why right. didn't I just go be a pharmaceutical right. rep or something like, right. you know, whatever. And you can have these existential crises and then you wind up back in your treatment room loving your job again and mm-hmm. i think it's important for us to have places to have these conversations be like oh you freaked out too oh you needed this or that too cool like yeah and i and i i appreciate you know because we've known each other for you know we're going on two decades mm-hmm. you know it's been a long time and we've seen each other through different phases you know and 
I think the more we can offer to newbies, or like you said, the people coming out of burnout, authentic content without ego or the guru space, mm-hmm. then then real change happens. Yeah. And also I something I've been feeling a lot lately, and I'm just leaning into it because I feel strongly about this. It's like authenticity all day, forever and ever. And like, I'm with you and like, it doesn't need to be a guru type situation, but also like, you should be allowed to talk about your work without being afraid of, you know, I don't want to get into cancel culture, but essentially like you got to be able to talk about your work without being worried that immediately after I publish this podcast, I'm going to get 50 messages on how I said the wrong word for the wrong thing, especially with trauma and like all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. It's like, we got to have a safe space to talk and learn. Even if I say something wrong, quote unquote wrong, then okay, educate me and I'll come back and we'll do an episode about it. But I was feeling some pressure about like, you know, cause we can't work on people without marketing. We can't train people without marketing. We have to, to populate your classes. You got to do marketing, et cetera, et cetera. And so the only way to do that is to communicate often authentically. And, and it's just the standard for like, what is the perfect, okay way to speak to each other now is, is really it's, it's climbing. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I, I refuse to let the fear of saying it wrong or saying anything wrong, stop us from having conversations. Like, and I think, I think that's another strength of longer form content is that we get the opportunity for context, first of all, explain what the heck we meant, you know? And then also if anyone does take issue with anything that's said on the show or on this blog or whatever, that we talk about it, we can talk about it say, Hey, I'd like to have a show about what you said about this. And I, you know, here's some thoughts or whatever, like that there needs to be a safe space for that. And not just for us, but especially for newbies as they're out there trying to market Mm -hmm. their treatment room or their modalities or their offerings. Like you shouldn't be shaken in your boots before you're allowed to talk about what you do because it'll prevent you from helping people. So you can't do service if you're too scared to speak up about your service. And I I think that's a, you know, a kind of a byproduct that's an unhappy accident of something that is actually really good happening in our, in our culture. It's good that we're increasing sensitivities around certain things, Mm -hmm. but it, it does present a side effect of fear and paralysis that I would like to make a lot of mistakes and help break that ice. Be like, you know what? Use me. Make make mistakes on my show. We'll make mistakes together. We know our hearts are in the right place and we're here to learn. So educate us if we get it wrong. Yeah, I I will screw it up. Yeah. I will say the wrong thing (laughs) to the wrong person at the wrong time and it's going to cause a meltdown. It's happened a bunch. It's going to continue to happen. But you know, my my statement doesn't ever change in that I'm always willing to learn. Right. You know, if we can have a, I've found myself in situations where somebody had been triggered and full blown offended by what I said. Right. I took the time to learn. They did not. Mm. Right. It was a, it was more of an accusatory lesson then uh let me understand let me let me explain to you what led up to this mm-hmm. right because if i can understand some of the context that leads up to it then i can grow my understanding and we can update our verbiage our presentation mm-hmm. right we can grow yeah you know but it it's it has to be a two-way you mm-hmm. know and it, it it's it's a 
it's conversational education. Yeah. yeah. And like what you're saying before, being willing to let go of um, like unapproachable perfectionism. There's no need to yeah. say everything perfectly the first time you say it and to be willing to admit that there are times when you didn't know things and then you learned them and then you knew things like but that quality that I see a lot in people now, I'm like, do you sleep? How do you sleep? We're working so hard to be perfect. Mm -hmm. It's a lot, mm -hmm. so much to remember. I'd rather just admit to you that yeah. I didn't know everything before I knew it. <laughs> yeah. You know, one or one of my favorite quotes of all time, and this is from Dr. Barry Thompson, my uh, sociologist teacher at the University of Rio Grande. Uh, he came in and wrote all these accolades up on the board, right? And as a freshman in college, you know, I was full of spit and vinegar. And you yeah, know, not now though, down, right? <laughs> of course not. I'm I'm bourbon now. Yeah. Um, uh, he said, you know, this is these are all the things that I've done, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, but none of that matters because there's always going to be more that you don't know than you do know. So continue to learn. You know, and I was like, wow, that's pretty powerful. You know, and then he follows up with my goal is to try and learn as much from you this semester as I hope you can from me. Oh, I love that. You know, so like, like instantly made my heart actually warm. I love yeah, that. You know, that it, it's it's part of my DNA, you know, mm -hmm. as a human um, and as an instructor. Yeah. And so as a teacher, you're a student forever. That's what you're signing up for you're going to teach yeah. you do not graduate ever and as a as a therapist you know i'm learning from every single client that comes in you know even if i've been treating them for a decade every treatment's going to be different than something before there might be some commonalities but it's a new experience you know mm -hmm. so go into each session with a blank template and let them paint the situation i yeah. like it yeah all right, I want to ask you one more question. Okay. Well, two parts maybe. Okay. Because I wanted to ask like what you're teaching now and like what's coming up soon if people are looking to train with you, assuming that like okay. do you have workshops? Are you doing all in person or do you do any virtual? Yes. Yes. So yes. I am in the process of turning the bodywork for PTSD into a hybrid experience mm -hmm. so that it can be done virtually. Mm -hmm. Um so that is, that should be, it'll probably be done around October. I have things to submit and I'm just waiting to hear back. Okay. Um, I do offer the Bodywork for PTSD Live. Um, mm -hmm. We have one coming up in Indianapolis and it's going to be November. Um, we'll probably be in the panhandle of Florida slash Mobile, uh, mm -hmm. probably February-ish. Okay. Um, we're going to hang a class on North Dakota, probably in the beginning of June. Uh, so if you've not been to North Dakota, it's worth a shot because it's pretty awesome. Um, trying to think of what else. And then next year, because uh, there's only two spots left in this year's class, um, at the end of September, beginning of October, we host our fluid dynamics class, which is where we take eight to 12 people and we do some time on the table and then we do more time treating each other and being treated in the ocean so like the fluid dynamics class is about learning some things but mostly for the therapist to come 
and get worked on by people who have the skills and capacity to hold space for you mm -hmm. and to leave refreshed and recycled and re-energized back into your practice with uh with some new skills so where's that one going to be this time uh this year it's going to be in indian shores so it's usually on the west coast of florida cool um we you have two may spots for this year and two then spots for this year which is going to be when again? I'm sorry, you know, you just said it. Uh, it's September 29th through August 2nd, or October 2nd, rather. Cool. So that's a that's a good one. That's a that's a, that's a yeah, it's a good one to be able to spend some time at the beach and and really surrender mm -hmm. as a therapist and be able to put your your ego and your insecurities as somebody who's a professional provider of body work to just kind of hang it up on the shelf and go, well, let me just be the let me surrender and just fully be a patient today mm -hmm. and to, to let go. Yeah. That's without, um, you know, making the newbies feel any kind of way that that is a really special offering because a lot of times when you take a training, you're just with a mixture of experience levels. So you could be with somebody right. who just graduated massage school, or you could be with a master who's been doing this 50 years and you just don't right. know until you get there. But this kind of training is a little bit more um, focused. It sounds like with people who are, yeah. qualified to give you a good experience again yeah. no shade to the newbies it's just an experience thing and yeah. you know and if and if a newbie were to want to come um you know they're going to be welcomed because everybody's been there yeah you know it's uh and in fact it would a, probably accelerate just being surrounded by more experience i feel like sharpens you a bit yeah that's the feedback we got we had um three attendees last year who had been licensed less than two years cool and you know it lit their lit their life up yeah uh so we've got that um we also for those of you that just like if you just you just want to train right you don't want to wait for a classroom setting um i offer individual and small group training at our office here in cincinnati um there's a couple of hotels around here there's some airbnbs you know cincinnati's a really good foodie city it's a it's a fully functioning awesome city um that you can spend some time in um, so there we can do the body work for PTSD work. We can do the integrative craniosacral therapy work. Uh, we can customize it to be whatever you want it to be in the time that you have allotted that you want to fit it in. Um, because really that's, that's where I'm headed going forward. I don't have the, yeah. the fuel to travel all over the country as much as I did pre pre COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, so the flag is officially in the ground. So you're welcome to come and join me at any of the places that I'm going and you're also welcome to just uh, pony up and come to Cincinnati and get some pretty good education. And all of this will be on the website. That, so if I give them the touchededucation.com, they can find all the links to those trainings. Yep. Touchededucation.com. Okay. You can, you can register, register for classes. Mm -hmm. uh, you can see what kind of treatments we're doing. We have swag. <laughs> we have, is a Mike, my creative force has uh, has become creating different T-shirts. So like the one that I'm wearing right now, right? It's like hands in a prayer. And, is this the trauma one? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I love it. You know, the trauma, the trauma in me recognizes the trauma in you. I love that. Uh, you know. Um, so we have a bunch of them. Uh, we've got posters, and it's it's not for the sake of just selling swag. It's a way to just kind of continue to broadcast the message. There's good to be done. Yeah. in this world and you know we're where is a profession and a collective of of wellness-minded people we're here to provide that that's right thank you so much 
I'm so grateful that you took this time to share with me. You know, I look up to you all the way up, made a huge difference in my practice and life in general. So I know this is going to benefit our listeners. Um, For those of you listening, just DM me or Matt or email us with any questions you have, like follow-up questions. If you want him to come back and talk about such and such, you know, let us know because I'm pretty good idea. He'll come back if we ask him. I believe so. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to rope your wife in too. See if she's into it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to volunteer her. <laughs> Yay. She's been volunteered officially. Yeah. She has a ton yes. to share as well. So yeah, a, a real power couple, legit power couple. Enjoy. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, oh, I forgot. No, the one last thing I wanted to ask you, mm. because I like, I like to round it out with this. What, if any advice would you share with somebody who is either new to the field or burned out? It's split. So like, the person that's burnt out, um, I would go and get treatment from somebody you respect. Plug back in and have them blow on your embers a little bit. And then somebody who's new, it's going to be a thousand hours before you really understand who you are. So that's just just know that going in. Give yourself grace. You're going to make mistakes. Engage with the people that you find speak your language and find your tribe. There's two things that you said to me. I think in my first round of cranio training that I wrote down and I stick it at various places in my office areas. And it was meant to be like the hands-on application of this, but I apply it to just like my daily life functioning. Sure. And one of them is, you know, as you know, can you cut this pressure in half? Mm. (laughs) So so for those of you listening, if you don't do cranio, it's super light pressure typically. Um, And if you're trained in deep tissue, like most of us are, it takes some deconditioning to back <laughs> off like by eight, 800%. So it would be a reminder to back up the tissue, but you know, sometimes I'm like crunching out a problem, you know, maybe it's a marketing piece or a schedule issue or a client who I need to fire or something. And it's like, when you, when I feel the pressure build, I, I hear that in my head, like, can you cut this pressure in half? And the answer is always yes. Like mm-hmm. whatever I'm doing, I can likely cut the pressure in half. And the more times I can do that, the better. And then the other one, which is just like, I need to tattoo it on my forehead. <laughs> is, I don't remember your exact phrasing, but it was basically, you don't need to know. You don't always need to know. Mm. Like you can keep doing what you're doing. Now, I'm not saying like, you don't need to know what you're doing. You need to know your skills, obviously, right. but, but you don't need to know the reason why for every single thing, which is like sure. my insatiable appetite. And I'm like, but I want to know why I want to understand mm. this, you know? And so just. Those are two things that um, I'm adding to your offerings because they, they stuck with me awesome. and they've Thank been you. super helpful. Thank you. When I'm being a pain in my own butt, that's what I tell myself. Can you can you cut this pressure in half? Probably. And you don't really <laughs> need to know. Maybe we table it. Maybe table it and go take a walk and just like live life a little bit. Come back. Sage wisdom. Sage wisdom. Yes. Yes. So thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. And I look forward Likewise. to our next chat. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found this helpful, or at least that it made you smile. If so, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it with somebody else. You can do so by sharing a screenshot of this podcast to your Instagram stories, and then tag me at Body Mind Spirit Service. You can also visit our website. The link is in the bio. It's BodyMindSpiritService.com, and in there you're going to find a free community group where you can join and chime in with podcast questions or topic requests, as well as network with other people in your field. The website's also going to give you options 
use to opt in for the blog updates and the email list so you can stay in the loop for trainings and other exciting things there. And if you're more into Facebook, we have a free community group there as well. So again, thank you so much for sharing your time with me and I hope to hear from you soon. You can send me a DM, say hi, let me hear it from you. Let me hear how I can be of service to you so that you can be of service to others. May you be happy. May you be well. May you be safe, peaceful, and at ease. And I will see you again soon.